Oh, good morning. Good morning. It's good to see you all this morning. Good to see a group, good group of kids going down for, for their lesson. Uh, this, is, this is resurrection morning. It's celebrated. Um, we're we're going to talk. I mean, that's the subject. That's the topic for this morning. But before we get into opening the scriptures, let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you, Lord, for every day that you give to us. Lord, every day is grace from you to wake up in the morning to know we have another day. It is a gift from you, so we give you praise for that. Uh, Lord, as we, uh, yeah, as, even as a nation, we, we think about this Easter, and it's a celebration of, of your resurrection. But Father, for us, it is a celebration every single day. We know that our Savior lives, and that's what we're celebrating Lord, we praise you and thank you for the opportunity we have now just to look into your word, to open it before us, and Lord, to be challenged by its context of, of, of meaning, Lord, we pray that it's applied to our hearts. May your spirit be guiding and lead us, leading us this morning as we uh, dive into this. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Um, our, our recent series we've entitled Taking Root. And, and the reason for that is, is even kind of why we're, we're here this morning, thinking about root or roots. You know, what is that for a tree? Uh, it, it is one that uh, anchors and supports the tree. Uh, words even better than that is, is through roots, a tree survives and thrives, correct? It's all its nourishment and its strength, and the, the bigger the roots, the, the, the greater the tree that, that grows. Um, the root of our faith, today we're celebrating the very root of our faith, which is the death and resurrection of Jesus. As we're going into this series, it's been that book of Acts, which reveals to us the very beginnings of the church. And so we've been talking about the, the, the fact that what, what the church has, it's all rooted in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Throughout Acts, uh, so many sermons, so many messages, and the content of that is the death and resurrection of, of Jesus Christ. The subject, Jesus, and his death and resurrection lays out a message that is, that is what we call the good news for all of us. So that's our focus this morning. Matter of fact, uh, here a couple of weeks ago, we read in Acts chapter 2 the message that Peter first preached after Jesus uh, was raised from the dead, the first sermon after Jesus' resurrection, uh, which was actually uh, several days after Jesus ascended into heaven. And, and it was this passage. Let me just share with you just a few verses. It's chapter 2, 22 through 24, where, Jesus, or where Peter says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up. Loosing the pains of death because it was not 
impossible for him to be held by it. I, I want to visit something I said a couple of weeks ago, that idea of pains of death, loosen the pains of death. That pains of death goes along with the same uh, phrase, the pains of childbirth. It's the same word. And in the pains of childbirth, uh, there's that time when the baby is ready to come out. There is no woman who holds the baby there and just refuses to let the baby go. It's time for the baby to come out. So loosening the pains of, of childbirth, in this phrase, in this phrase that, that is just repeated, that Jesus came forth from the grave. In that way, death could not hold him. He was released and he rose from the dead. Later on in verse 32, he says something that's very significant to us today. In the fact that, that Peter says, This Jesus God raised up, and of that we all are witnesses. And when we say we all, there are so many people who witnessed uh, the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, there is an assurance we have because of the resurrection. Uh, there is a certainty that we have existing for our faith because of the resurrection of Jesus. The, the song that I'm reminded of, when I was growing up, my favorite song was called Blessed Assurance. And it carried with that this meaning that, that because of Jesus, we have an assurance of the salvation we have. The, the song goes like this, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine, oh what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. Okay, nope, I know, I know you're going to dive into this is. Hey, we're going to hold on to that after I'm done, okay? So give me the, we're doing a little pause here, and then we're going to sing This Is My Story, This Is My Song. Uh, but that idea of the certainty because of the resurrection of Jesus, that's my focus this morning. So I'm going to start here. The first point is it's a fact, okay? It's a fact. Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, when I say it's a fact, there's there's more evidence uh, for the resurrection of Jesus than what, we, what our kids have in their history books for our past history. There's more evidence that we have because of the eyewitnesses, because of, of even uh, those who have questioned it and, and have tried it. Guys like Josh McDowell and, and uh, others like him who have who've investigated. There's, there's even created within the Gospels themselves where the, the Guards who were paid to guard over the body of Jesus because there was talk of, of his resurrection so, so that his disciples would not uh, come and take the body away. Well, after Jesus was raised from the dead, the guard ran and reported to the high priest and they paid them to say, oh, the disciples stole the body. But that wasn't possible. There's also the swoon, what they call the swoon theory, or that, the fact that they're saying that, that Jesus just passed out on the cross. After all the suffering he did on the cross, plus the, the beatings he had previously opening up his back, uh, they, there's the thought, well, he didn't last long on the cross. 
where he died, received the spear into, into his side, proving that he was dead. And then they, they took him and prepared his body, laid him in the tomb. And that three days later, uh, this, this idea that he, he just passed out, that on the third day he, he, he revived because of the coolness of the tomb, rolled the stone away himself, and then made appearance, uh, appearances before everybody, just completely whole, completely healed from all that he faced. It is just difficult to embrace and believe. The truth is, there is no body. There is no body that they were able to find. Arnold Toynbee, Arnold Toynbee made this statement, which is absolutely true. He said, find the body of that Jew... And Christianity crumbles into ruins. If, if they were ever to produce the body of Christ after his resurrection and ascension, then Christianity would not exist today. Or it would be a, a bad shadow with people who have no confidence and no hope. But because of a risen Savior, that's exactly what we have. Assurance, confidence, and hope. Now, what is, is so wonderful for us today is the fact that four witnesses beheld and wrote down each of their accounts. And as, as four different people who are watching an accident take place have four different perspectives that they've seen, and that, that then can be brought together to make a whole story, uh, so we have in the Gospels. They don't contradict each other. And when they're brought together, it is a wonderful picture of what takes place on that Sunday morning when Jesus rose from the dead. I have a work from Seth Wilson, who is a professor of mine, beloved by me. Uh, but I, I brought out one of his works, read it this week, and I thought, man, I just want to share it with you this morning. Here is the account with the, each of these harmonized together. Uh, as I appreciate Holly, I didn't see she's here today, but Holly uh, did our reading. I'm going to begin where she uh, had read this morning. Let's, let's go. Very early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, Salome, Joanna, and some other women set out for the tomb of Jesus, probably from Bethany, at least a half hour's walk. They were bringing spices to anoint his body. Meanwhile, at the tomb, there was a great earthquake as an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled away the stone. In fear, the soldiers fell to the ground like dead men and then fled to report to the chief priests. The sun was just rising as the women drew near the tomb. They questioned among themselves, who shall roll away the stone? For the stone was very great. But looking up, they saw that the stone was rolled back. Mary Magdalene immediately ran back to tell Peter and John. But the other women came to the tomb and heard the angel say, Fear not, he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. Upon entering the tomb, they saw two angels who said, Who do you seek the living, or why do you seek the living among the dead? Remember how he told you in Galilee that the Son of Man must be crucified and on the third day rise. Go quickly and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you shall see him as he told you. They departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. Peter and John 
hearing the alarm news, alarming news from Mary, ran to the tomb. John arrived first and paused to look into the vacant tomb. Peter came following John, rushed past him, and went in. Then John also entered. They observed how the grave clothes were lying. The napkin which had been around his face was rolled up in a place by itself, apart from the linen clothes in which so many spices had been wrapped. John saw these things and believed. Up to now, they had not understood the scriptures, that Jesus must rise from the dead. Thoughtfully, each went to the lodging place, to their own lodging place in Jerusalem. As at John's home, there must have been someone overjoyed to hear his story. That would be, you know, as Jesus committed uh, Mary to, to John's care. So thinking that maybe Mary was at his home, he was able to share that news. Mary Magdalene who had followed Peter and John back to the tomb, arrived after they left and and remained near the tomb weeping. As she wept, she stopped in and, and looked into the tomb. She beheld two angels sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. They asked her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said, Because they have taken my Lord away, and I know not where they have laid him. Turning around, she saw Jesus, but knew not that it was he. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will, I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said, Master. And Jesus said, Do not cling to me. But go tell my brethren that I am ascending to my father and your father, uh, to my God and your God. Leaving Mary, Jesus then appeared to the other women who were still on their way to tell the disciples what the angels had said. Jesus greeted them with the usual greeting, which means literally rejoice. But the meaning was seldom as fitting as at this moment. They came and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Jesus told them, do not be afraid. Go tell my brethren to go into Galilee, and there they will see me. These women, as well as Mary Magdalene, told what had happened to them, to the eleven and to all the rest, as they were mourning and weeping. But they would not believe it. In the afternoon, he appeared to two disciples as they walked to Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. But they did not know him. He talked with them and told them of the prophecies of Christ's suffering and death. When they arrived at the village, they invited him to to supper with them. At the meal, he took and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. It's then they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. That very hour, they returned to Jerusalem. They found the apostles except for Thomas, and others gathered with him and told them all that had happened. Some of them also told the two, the Lord is risen, and he has appeared to Simon. As they spoke these things, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said, peace be unto you. They were afraid, supposing that that they beheld a spirit. He asked, why are you troubled? See my hands and my feet, touch me and see, 
For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you, as you can see that I have. That, those are, are much of the events that happened on that Sunday. But we know it goes so much further than that. It was several days later that again the apostles are gathered together, possibly in Galilee by this time. And, and Jesus makes an appearance again. This time Thomas, who is not seen, uh, who, is, who has had doubt like everybody else did, and what did Jesus do but said the same thing? Look at my hands and my feet and put your hand in my side. And, and Thomas's respo- response was, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said uh, to them in response was, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Oh, man, that's you and I today. We've not been able to see uh, the Savior, but we've been able to read the very words of those who beheld it with their own eyes. Oh, I, I can't tell you how, how absolutely grateful I am for the Scriptures, how absolutely grateful I am for the accounts, each one eyewitnesses to see the risen Savior. I can't imagine what would it would be like uh, to be able to behold Him with my own eyes. But on this day, and tomorrow and the next day, you, if you've received Christ as your Savior, you know He's your Savior, then, then you have confidence of His being alive because of His resurrection. God raised Him from the dead. Also because of the re- resurrection, it absolutely validates the identity and position of Jesus. That was the point of the first uh, message that Peter delivered after his resurrection. It was about all the miracles and everything that you saw Jesus was able to do. It it testified to who Jesus is. And then he died as you killed him, and then God raised him from the dead. In verse 36 of chapter 2, the the great focus of the message was verse 36 where he said, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made Jesus both Lord and Christ. That's who Jesus is. That's his identity in the fact that he lives today. He is both Lord and Christ. And moving forward, the second point I want to make this morning, absolutely because Jesus rose from the dead, we have that assurance that Jesus is the giver of life. Jesus is the giver of life, the promises that we have because he lives today. He came as Savior. He came as the Christ, right? And and Christ actually means Messiah, and Messiah means Savior. And and absolutely, I, I don't know whether you realize it today, more than likely if you have Jesus, you realize our great need for a Savior. You know, from, from the very beginning of, of, of humanity, there was sinfulness, a brokenness. And laid upon them was that curse of sin that we've had to deal with all of time, all throughout history. We're familiar with it, right? We're familiar with death. We go to too many services. We said goodbye to too many uh, people. But Jesus is the giver of life. 1 Corinthians 15. If you have your Bibles, uh, you might want to open there. But it's 1 Corinthians 15 and hold it there just for a little bit. There's a couple of focuses that that Paul gives that Peter spoke to within his first sermon. He says in verse 20, 
But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. So he defines out exactly what, what I said. You know, sin began from the, or came from the beginning. Verse 22 says, For as in Adam all die, he is the first fruits of death. For as in Adam all of us die because of sin. What, you know, we want to pick up and throw stones at, at Adam, that tyrant, that terrible person who set us on this course of sinfulness. But, but there's no way we could pick stones up to throw at Adam because every one of us, every one of us has to lay claim to our own sinfulness. Truth. Truth. Every one of us has to lay claim to our own sinfulness. There is no one that we could blame for that. The final verse, verse 23 says, But each in his own time, each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Now death still exists. We know that. I, again, I, I've already said that we've gone to numerous funerals and, and memorial services 23 brings clarity to the resurrection that we actually look forward to. Jesus is the first fruits of resurrection. He has become our hope and putting our trust and faith in him, we have a hope for that resurrection that is yet to come. The latter part of verse 23 says, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then, those who belong to Jesus at his coming are going to receive resurrection. It is something that we all look forward to. It's a promise, and, and, and we have that, we have Christ, and that promise, uh, the, the fact that he lives today is the promise that continues to exist for us all. I, I think it's also important to point this out. Because Jesus lives today doesn't mean all of humanity is saved. It's really clear in Scripture that it is for those who have chosen, that have chosen to be, uh, for Jesus to be Savior, to be their Messiah, their Christ. Um, it is that, that position that we take when we receive Jesus through our faith as Savior, as it says in Ephesians, that it is through our faith that we're saved. And, and Peter lays out for us, you know, what it means to, to begin to follow after Christ. It, it means repentance and what we beheld today, baptism. That repentance, so necessary because in our sinfulness, we are, we are living our own desires, our own wills, and, and we, we're leading ourselves. And, and, and it's following after the things of this world. In repentance, we have the opportunity to absolutely turn our backs uh, upon the things of this world, the things of our sinfulness, and then follow after Christ. That was one of Jesus' main messages throughout the Gospels. It was, follow me. It was, it was about following Jesus. It was about becoming disciples, his followers. It was about that faith and belief in Jesus. In that baptism... What we beheld today, it is accepting Jesus as his death, as our own death, as, as they're taken down into the water and then raised to a newness of life. Again, it is that established faith that saves us, and it is that faith in Jesus Christ. Without that, we're getting wet. 
That's what that is. But it is because of what Jesus has done for us. And, and, and from that point on, it is living. It is that following after Jesus according to, to his life. Looking at Jesus to see how he lived, how he loved. And, and the very words that he spoke, that is the direction that we follow. Uh, God has given us everything we need. He's absolutely given us a means of our salvation with his Jesus. But he's given us his word uh, for us to follow and adhere to. He's given us in that, that receiving of Christ. He's promised us that Holy Spirit that indwells us. So absolutely amazing. It is through the Spirit he guides and leads. Brings us to conviction when we, when we go astray. Leads us back into that life that is lived to be honoring of God. And he, he also does this. He connects us together as a church. Uh, when I say church, I don't mean, I mean, actually, I mean so much more than what we do on Sunday morning when we gather. When I say church, for me, it's that identifying brothers and sisters in Christ that invest together or in each other to do what? To grow, to be strengthened. There's that place where I can help others grow. There are those places that, that you help and assist me in my growing. Because Paul makes it real clear that that church becomes the body of Christ. That all those things we identify as absolutely important for us and, and finally saying that we are the chosen of Christ. And it, it begins and absolutely continues in that, man, I'm placing my faith in Christ. And so everything else is about helping me to grow and, and to, to flourish in that faith. Isn't that right? Church and the Holy Spirit within us and, and the scriptures being together. Because Jesus rose from the dead, we have the assurance also that Jesus is judge of mankind. Okay, he is God has made him both Lord and Christ, Messiah. He's also made him Lord. He's made him Lord. When, when the apostles were together, they were able to watch Jesus ascend into heaven. That's another one of those things that I would love to see. Been there, listened to Jesus' final words, and then watched Jesus as he was taken from this earth and raised into the clouds as they stood and watched Later in Peter's sermon, he made it very clear that Jesus is now seated at the right hand of God. That place of authority, because he has received authority. He has that authority, uh, the same authority as God. And, and what he does with that is he is going to, to judge. He's going to judge. Matter of fact, in the scriptures, it says that he is going to bring it all together and, and present it before God. That and we continue in, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24, where we left off. Here, listen carefully what it says. Then comes the end. And I do believe that end is yet ahead even for us. It is still the end for us because it's speaking when Jesus returns. Then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom to God the Father uh, after destroying every rule, every authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. 
that time when you and I will be raised, those of us in, in Christ Jesus will be raised uh, to life, conquering death, because it is absolutely conquered. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. couple of things. In God, in his judgment, when he comes, he is going to destroy every rule, authority, and power. There's, there's a lot of places, a lot of people thinking they have authority and power in this world. Governments and nations who are thriving in power and, and leading as they do. And, and on that day, when Christ comes as Lord, it's going to be obvious who's in charge. And every nation, every, every government, every uh, official is going to realize they had no power at all. Those with, I also thought about those with lots of money who, who are, are, are possibly directing governments and others uh, who, who feel as though they have control. Uh, it comes to the truth that they have no control at all. Because on that day, it's going to be realized by everyone that Jesus is Lord. What we ought to be declaring today, everyone's going to realize when he returns. Everyone's going to realize that Jesus is Lord. He's coming again, and he's going to bring his judgment. Listen, the root of our faith as believers in Jesus Christ, as being his chosen people, is his death and his resurrection. Is there a reason to celebrate this? Absolutely. There's reason to celebrate that Jesus rose from the dead. Because he rose from the dead, we have the assurance that Jesus is the Christ. He is the giver of life. And that's to celebrate that one thing that no one has ever been able to conquer or, or deal with, Jesus was able. He, he rose from the dead and lives today. That's the good news. He lives today, seated at the right hand of God, being our representative. But also remember that as Jesus rose from the dead, it also gives us the assurance that he is also Lord. He rules. He rules. And he is the judge of mankind, of all mankind. You ready to sing? I, I, <laughs> because this is the truth, you know. Do you know Jesus? Are you amongst those who belong to Christ? Made that step for him. Dedicated your life to following after Jesus. Is that faith in you still strong and thriving? And your pursuit for him is very direct. You know, if so, sing with me, all right? This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for Jesus. The applause is for you. The celebration is directed to you. The praise that we lift today is for you. Lord, without you, we have nothing. 
Lord, without you, we are but fools who are celebrating nonsense. But Lord, today we know that Jesus lives. You've given us so much to stand and be able to declare that and, and have that as our root, the very foundation that we stand upon. God, today we thank you for your salvation. We praise you for your Savior in Jesus and the fact that he is alive. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.